After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then at the very end of the book of Joshua in chapter 21, Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers. And they took possession of it. And they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he swore to their fathers. Not one of their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that God had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, please. Let's ask God's help as we study his word together. Father, would you now open our hearts to see the beauty of Jesus, even in the Old Testament, to see the greater Joshua, the one who took his name, Jesus, the Joshua of the New Testament. God saves the meaning of his name. Lord, may that reality be true in our hearts and may you draw those of us in this room who do not yet profess faith in you to yourself. Jesus, thank you that you're with us now. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We do not live on explanations. We live on promises. That is the principle that the book of Joshua gives to Joshua's generation and to ours. We do not live on explanations. We live on promises. This week, when you when I visit people in the hospital, for example, when I go to see them and they're sick, even just this week, or I go to see somebody who's recovering from surgery, as I did just this week, 
When I go and see them and I talk to their doctor and their family listens to the doctor give a report, they do not want to know that the leg bone is connected to the hip bone, which is connected to the backbone, which is connected to the neck bone, all of which, as we all know, is really connected to your wallet, right? <laughs> they they want to know not exactly how my loved one got hurt. They don't want to hear the explanation of what exactly happens medically. You know what they want to hear? They just want to hear, and they're going to be okay. I remember when I was a young boy, I was three years old and I was playing in my driveway and my brothers who were quite older than I was, they were all riding their dirt bikes and around the corner where I was sitting as a young child playing with the toys in my parents' driveway, my legs were sitting out on the sidewalk and around the corner came Julie Green, who was a junior high, bar-wise junior high cheerleader and a friend of my brother's on his yellow and black BMX mongoose bicycle and she hit two speed bumps called my legs and she broke my leg as a young boy and my brother not knowing what to do having his friends over my mom had gone to McDonald's to get happy meals and so she grabbed me he grabbed me and he decided to see if I could walk and he kept dropping me like one of those little rag dolls you know you stand and their legs crumble out from under them and so my mother sweet my mother comes home with 10 happy meals and she gets out of her car and she walks to, my, to her back porch and she sees her son holding her youngest child by the armpits saying, Mom, look, something's wrong with Blake. He can't stand up. And they rush me to the hospital and they take x-rays of my leg. And at that moment, my mother didn't really care how it happened. She didn't even ask that question. All she wanted to know was, that, was my baby boy going to be okay? The book of Joshua, as I've said, and I will say repeatedly throughout the book, is about the promises of God because you do not live on explanations. You live on promises. It is the promise of God that brought you to salvation. Not the explanation of how God did it, not the explanation of why you are where you are in your stage of life. It is the promise that he is with you, that he loves you, that he is for you. And in the context of redemptive history, Joshua is a historical book. That is, that it comes after the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And then it is the first historical book, which is a transition. It's a transition because Moses, the great leader of God's people all throughout the first five books of the Bible in the Pentateuch, who wrote the Pentateuch, dies at the very end of Deuteronomy. And he gives a farewell address. And there have been many farewell addresses throughout the Bible. Abraham gave a farewell address to talk about how great God's promises were. Nehemiah gave a farewell address about how mighty God is in rebuilding the wall and the temple. And Moses gave a farewell address to say, do not stop believing in God's covenant promises. And then here are God's people on the eastern edge of a mighty river, the Jordan River. Between one and two million people looking not to Moses, the servant of the Lord, a title given only to one other person in the Bible, the suffering servant, Jesus himself in Isaiah 53. No, 
They're looking at Joshua, who is Moses' assistant, the son of Nun. The last generation got Moses. We get Joshua. And the Lord says, yes, you are to follow Joshua. And he will lead my people. And the Lord tells Israel something that he needs to tell you and that you need to hear. If there is a verse in Joshua that you've memorized and that you know, it is undoubtedly Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. On the anniversary of 9-11, it's, it's a helpful time to look back and to see how much our country has changed in the last 15 years and to see how much you've changed in the last 15 years. And you need courage. And I do too. For many of us, our financial stability is not what it once was. For many of us, we are looking at a future where it is not going to be as stable for our children as it has been for us. Many of you are concerned about your jobs. Many of you are anxious for your children. Many of you are hiding in addictions. Many of you are afraid to be known by other people. And you're constantly socially positioning yourself. In the book of Joshua, the promise of the entire book is that the Lord your God is with you. And he's with you. And as we dive into this book, I want you to know that I need that promise. I need it. I was watching with my kids and Lauren this week, um, Open Season, you know, the animated cartoon. It's about um, Boog, you know, the bear who's been domesticated. And he lives in the garage of a forest ranger. He's lived there all of his life. He's afraid of the woods. He's a bear. He's afraid of the woods. And he runs into a one-antlered skinny mule deer whose name is Elliot. And the story of open seasons, they get taken away. Elliot becomes such trouble for the forest ranger and for the community that they take them out of Timberline, their city, and they're placed in the middle of the forest. And there's one scene where Boog is about finished with Elliot and he holds them over the edge of the cliff and he says, take a good look around, Elliot. What's missing? And Elliot says, wait, wait, don't tell me. I know this one. And Boog says, Timberline is missing. I was going to say that. Boog says, my garage is missing. My breakfast is missing. My lunch and dinner are missing. My life is missing. And it's all your fault. And Elliot says, well, Boog, what are you going to do? The book of Joshua helps you answer what you're going to do. Because the book of Joshua is a book to look at in order to see through it. It's in the Old Testament, yes, but every bit of the Bible points to Jesus. The author of the book of Joshua, who we do not know, goes to great pains to comfort the people of Israel when they are in the Babylonian exile. The book of Joshua is set just after the people have come 
to the edge of the wilderness, about to enter the land. But the original readers of this book are not the ones there. They're experiencing it, but the original readers are the ones who are in Babylon. They are in exile. And they feel like Jerusalem is missing. Their breakfast is missing. Their garage is missing. Their stability is missing. And they are comforted with the book of Joshua to ask the question, what therefore are you going to do? And Joshua is a book that reminds them and reminds us, you are to trust in the promises of God because you do not live on explanations. You live on promises. And his promise is whatever you're going through in your life, I will be with you wherever you go. And in the very beginning of Joshua, we're confronted with two realities. You are confronted with the land of promise and you are confronted with the promise of God's presence. These twin themes reverberate throughout the entire book. The land of promise and the promise of God's presence. That's what I want to look at just for a few moments together as we begin to feast upon the book of Joshua. First, the land of promise. You know the story so far. The story so far is that Adam and Eve lived in the garden, yes, and Adam and Eve fell. They decided to listen to another counselor and not to God, and they decided, they decided to go another way. And they were therefore kicked out of the garden. But God did not leave them to their own demise, although he was just in so doing, but he had mercy upon them and said, I will bring yet one whose heel the serpent will bite, but whose head this redeemer will crush of the serpents. And God eventually rose up a man out of Ur of the Chaldees called Abraham. And he said to Abraham, Abraham, there's nothing special about Abraham. He was the son of a moon worshiper. He said, Abraham, from you, I'm going to make a great nation and I'm going to give you a land and you're going to be a blessing. And many, many years later, his descendants became so many that they were enslaved in Egypt. And then God rose up another deliverer whose name was Moses. And Moses delivered God's people out of Egypt. And he sent spies into the land to say, spy out the land that God promised our fathers Abraham. And so the 12 spies went into the land. And 10 of them came back shaking in their boots saying, they're too big, they're giants in the land. But two, Caleb and Joshua, said, no, they're not too big for the Lord. But because God's people did not trust that God was going to give them the land, God let them wander in the wilderness for every day they spied out that land, 40 days. And so they spent 40 years in the wilderness wandering around until the entire generation, including Moses, died. And then here they are on the eastern side of the Jordan River looking in to go across to the land of Canaan that God had promised his people. And you need to think about the breadth of this land. Like read in Joshua 1, read how big it is. It says that from the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river Euphrates, you will inherit the land. God promised all of the land up into the Euphrates River. The eastern side of Saudi Arabia southeast through Syria, through Iran and Iraq, to the Persian Gulf. They never acquired 
that land. The breadth of the land was far bigger than what they ultimately acquired, wasn't it? Which reminds us, not only the breadth of the land, it was massive. The breadth of the land was incredible. Israel never grasped the extent of their land. God's promises, as C.S. Lewis says, the unblushing promises of God are the story of the whole of Scripture. God's promises to Israel were huge. They were a land far beyond what they ever actually claimed to possess. But if you understand the depth of the land, you begin to understand what he means by the land. The meaning of this land of promise is for us today. It was the primary capital resource of Israel. Land to live in and to make a living, to grow food and sustain life. Had God not given Israel the land when they were on the eastern side of the Jordan about to go in, they certainly would have suffered a death sentence. They needed land to survive. The land was, for many today, it was a place where generations gather. When you read of the land of Canaan in the Bible, it was, yes, a physical land for Israel, but the land also, in a sense, is the land where God's people gather, isn't it? When you, when you have a family reunion, you often will go to the old homestead and you will celebrate. Everybody is there together in the land. Uh, uh, the promises of the land mean that God is faithful to his families, to his covenant families throughout generations. I will be your God to a thousand generations of those who serve me and keep my commandments, he says. And when Israel broke the covenant promises, God removed them from the land later in the history of Israel, didn't he? Assyria took the northern kingdom of Israel off after they had 200 years of stability under 19 kings, none of whom, by the way, were good. And then 350 years after the formation of Judah, he takes Judah off, beginning in 605 and then 586, after they too had 19 kings, only half of whom were good. They broke God's covenant promises, so he removed them from the land. In Hebrews chapter 11, it's interesting when you read about the hall of faith in Hebrews where it lists all of the people who were faithful to God and he gives this extraordinary biographical sketch of God's people who trusted him in the midst of incredible difficulties. And it says that they actually never received the covenant promise. They never received it. They never saw it. But their faith is made complete through yours. And he, the book of Hebrews and Joshua actually go very closely hand in hand because in Hebrews chapter four, as I read earlier, you read about the covenant rest that God gives to his people. A rest that is symbolized in the book of Joshua by the land that his people are going into. And it says, that since therefore it remains for some to enter it and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, he appoints a day today saying through David so long afterward that today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. If Joshua had given them the rest of God, then he would not have spoken of another day later on. The land of Israel 
is for us a picture of God's covenant promise to be with us wherever we go. It is his covenant promise to, his, to families who trust in the gospel, even as you saw this morning with the Carroll family. The land of Israel is not Israel's ultimate home. That's the point. Your ultimate home is not a couple hundred acres outside of Tulsa either. Your ultimate home is the rest to which this land points. It is the rest that you need in the promises of God. When Hebrews speaks of rest in Hebrews chapter four, the rest that God's people are to receive when they enter the land, he's speaking of your home, your true home, your ultimate home. When, whenever I stay in a hotel room, I always unpack my bags. I always take every sock out and I put it in a drawer. And Lauren always laughs at me when we check out because like she takes her 60 seconds to be ready to go and she's standing at the door and I usually bring far less than she does but it takes me longer to get ready because I'm packing stuff back into my suitcase. And here Israel is in Babylonian exile comforted by the book of Joshua. They have lived 70 years in suitcases and God has to actually command them. He has to command them to unpack their bags. In Jeremiah chapter 29, he says, Mary, Build gardens, homes, have children. Seek the prosperity of the city in which you find yourself. And then if you prosper, it too will prosper. The story of the book of Joshua is a story of his covenant promises to you. That there is a land yet for you to enter. That is the land of his rest. And if you have placed your faith in Christ, you have received that rest if you will unpack your bags. And some of you in the midst of your relationship with Jesus, frankly, have never quite unpacked your bags, so to speak. You've been brought to saving faith in Jesus, but you really have never appropriated the gospel into your life. You aren't walking in holiness as he calls you to walk in holiness. You're not running to repentance. Repentance is not becoming something that's regular, something that becomes quicker for you to do when you sin. Your heart is growing harder to the preaching of his word. You're growing more distant from your friends. Listen, God calls you to rest in the land. And the only way that you can rest in the land is if you recognize not just the breadth of the land, how much God has done for you in Christ Jesus, but also the depth of it. Because Joshua is an Old Testament historical book that points to the New Testament Joshua, doesn't it? The one, Yeshua, who takes the same name as Joshua. Who Jesus Christ, who is the new Joshua, whose name means God saves, led us and his people across the Jordan River to the land of rest. But yet we do not yet fully have it. And the reason why I always unpack my bags when I go to hotels is because I think that I kind of long to be settled. I don't 
don't know if I've ever really felt settled. I long, I long to be at home. And the book of Joshua is a great comfort to us to remind us that though we stand on the eastern side of the Jordan River, about to cross over into rest, Jesus is with you yesterday, today, and forever. And the covenant promises given to Israel are yours also, Christian, that the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And the promise is not just a promise of land to this national people called Israel, of a physical land. It is that, but it's more. It is a place of your final rest. To say that heavenly rest is ours to have in Jesus sounds kind of pious, doesn't it? What does that really mean? It means that as great as this nation in which we live is, as great as your circumstances may be, there still stands for you a greater rest in Christ. And that greater rest for you is the thing that you most long for. And it is yes and amen in Jesus. And it is yours because the greater Joshua came and he entered into our land. And he didn't just come for a time and then leave. No, Jesus, the great Joshua, comes to lead the mighty people of God through the river of death into the land of Canaan once for all where you will finally be at rest. And it is only through Jesus, the greater Joshua, who not through his good leadership of God's people in conquering Jericho, as we're gonna see in the weeks to come, and not in conquering Ai, as we're gonna see, but in helping you conquer the ultimate, the ultimate obstacle of sin and death through his propitiatory death for you. That is, he died in your place on the cross for you. He didn't just come down to lead you through a difficult time in your life. He came to die for you so that all of you who place your faith in Jesus might be able to have access to this ultimate rest. And the Bible says there's only two ways to have access to this ultimate rest. Plan A is to be totally perfect. To do everything God commanded of you from the very beginning of your life to the end. And if you do not pass plan A, then there's plan B. And plan B is knowing Jesus. The county fair, there's a story of a father who was giving out tickets to his son. He was giving out seven tickets at a time to his child and the child would play, go ride the games and he'd take these tickets and he'd run back to his father and he'd say, Father, I need more tickets. And the father would give the son the ticket. And there was a boy who was watching this whole thing happen. And the father was incredibly generous to his son. And so the son stood there and asked for his seven tickets. And right after the son left, this boy stood before the father. And the father said, hey, kid, who are you? And he said, I'm a friend of your son. Can I have seven tickets too? And what do you think that father did? He gave him seven tickets. Plan A is you can be perfect. And plan B is you can come to the Father because you're a friend of the Son. And He will give you the ticket. It is the only way. Because it is only because of Jesus' perfect righteousness 
that you have the ability to finally and fully be at rest with God's people. John Calvin says that the whole story of Joshua suggests that men and women are cut off by death and cut off in the middle of their careers. But the faithfulness of God never fails. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. When you walk through the waters and the raging rivers, they will not overwhelm you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And God comes to give his people the promise of his presence. And do you know what happens whenever in the passing of the peace or the greeting of the peace, when, when I say to you, the peace of the Lord be with you always, and you say to me, and also with you, you are declaring the fundamental promise of the Bible to one another, that Jesus' presence is with you. Oh, and it's also with you. And you're extending your hand to tell each other the essence of what the Bible story is about. And a world without peace, I'm extending to you the peace of Christ in my friendship. The peace of Christ in telling you again the gospel story that Jesus is greater than all of your sins and that he loves you. Oh, brother, sister, let's be at peace. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you, the congregation says together. You do not live your life by explanations. You live your life on promises. That is the principle of the book, of the entirety of Joshua. And as we begin to move into it, I want to challenge you to read it. To take time over the next week, next two weeks, and to read through the first four chapters of the book of Joshua. And as you read it, I want you to think about the land that God has given to Israel as a picture of the divine rest that he has given to you and how he's leading you into that land through the greater Joshua, the Lord Jesus Christ, who wasn't just a good leader, he was a sacrificial lamb, who wasn't just a mighty warrior, he was a humble servant, and he died for you. Do you want to have the ultimate rest that God wants to give his people? That is why Trinity exists. That's why we're here. We feast upon Jesus, who is the one who extends to us the great Sabbath rest of God, because it's only in him that we can fully and finally receive the promise of God's enduring and steadfast presence. Because it is Jesus who through the fire and the water and the destruction for us Endure the overwhelming waves and the flames and the cross for you. It is Jesus, when you are called away from home, who goes with you, who when our triumphs don't triumph and our successes are not successful, who is it that's with you? It's Jesus, your Savior. And so we extend to each other the greatest news in all the world. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Friends, look to Jesus, our great Joshua, who stands at the eastern edge of the Jordan River, ready to lead you into the beauty of his rest once and for all, for all eternity. And find yourselves captivated by this story over the next several weeks and months as we look at it together. 
The peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you always, to which God's people respond, and also with you. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you will allow the story of Joshua to give us comfort. That Jesus, who is now the greater Moses, and Jesus, who is the greater Joshua, Jesus, who is the temple, Jesus, who is the land, Jesus, who is our Sabbath rest, comes to us. And we have before us this amazing story, historical, true, a beautiful picture that comforted Israel in the exile. May it also comfort the new Israel, your church, in Oklahoma today. Oh, Father, thank you that you sent your one and only son to die for us, that we might have newness of life, and we might be able to claim that final rest in Jesus, a rest that we long for, and a rest that we can only have through our greater Joshua, who comes to conquer our great enemy, sin and death. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.